when we look at like, you know, what we're called to, we look at God or, oh my gosh, I want to participate in that. Yeah, it would give birth to despair when we find ourselves screwing up again and again and again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Except that we do that precisely by receiving the life of God into ourselves. So we, the, the first thing has to be a contemplative posture, receiving God's goodness. Um, a church father said that our ability to love God depends entirely on our ability to be aware of his love for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab and the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guest today is Father Christopher Scythe. We talk about his book, Rekindling Wonder in a Screen-Saturated World, which is all about the ways that technology affects us, in particular on a spiritual level. Just listening back to this conversation, I felt like I was on a retreat. Um, I definitely struggle with phone addiction, social media addiction, doom scrolling. Um, and it becomes this like vicious cycle where like if I'm feeling bad, I'll turn to my phone and then I feel bad because I'm turning to my phone and then I'm spending more time on my phone and I feel worse. And it's just, you know, it's this vicious cycle. And I've tried many different strategies as I actually talked about in the interview to try to break this habit. Um, and it just feels like I'm white knuckling it. And so talking with Father Scythe, it just was like a weight off my shoulders in a sense because he completely reframes the issue. Um, so often we just want to make it an issue of productivity versus laziness. You know, oh, I'm just being lazy, so I'm just going to waste time on my phone. I should be doing something else. I should be being productive. And he like just completely rejects that narrative and he brings God to the center of it. Um, and you know, he's, he, his whole approach is not to like shame you for falling into these traps, but to really like give you a glimpse of, of the light and the, the happiness that comes from living your life in a different way. This is an interview that I probably will come back to multiple times because it's just filled with so much spiritual wisdom, um, like I said, I really felt like I was on a retreat just listening back to it. Um, he just brings it to the very heart of the Christian faith, which is relationship with God, which is ultimately rest with God. You know, um, God creates and then he rests on the, the seventh day. And throughout scripture, heaven is talked about as God's rest entering into God's rest. And we even say this colloquially when we, you know, when we say rest in peace when somebody dies, but, you know, just this idea of, of, of rest, um, you know, as Americans, we are so hyper-focused on productivity that when we do rest, when we do relax, it often is just this almost like catatomic vegging out um, versus something that's really life-giving. So I could go on and on. Um, I know you will enjoy this interview. I feel weird now to plug all the social medias, you know, follow me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. I don't know. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever brings you peace and joy, whatever God's calling you to do. But do subscribe to the podcast. All right. And now here's my conversation with Father Christopher Scythe. 
Father Christopher J. Seif was ordained a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington in 2014. After serving as parochial vicar at Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Potomac, Maryland, he began his doctoral studies at the Catholic University of America while living at St. John Paul II Seminary, which he completed in spring of 2020. He is currently the director of spiritual formation at St. John Paul II Seminary. His first book is Rekindling Wonder, Touching Heaven in a Screen-Saturated World. Father, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Mary Rose. Good to be with you. <laughs> I felt like I was having a, a moment of irony because as I was driving here, I realized that I left my phone at home. <laughs> and there's great joy in your heart, I'm sure. No, it's like <laughs> panic, you know, like, oh no, what if Father texts me because he can't mm-hmm. find the the building? Or <laughs> I was actually supposed to call a friend on my drive up here, and I was like, well, this person's just going to not know why I'm not calling them, and, you know. That's great. Yeah, yeah, but I, I just, you realize, like, I mean, I, I call my phone, like, my external consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's like a piece of me, and it's... We feel yeah. very vulnerable without them. <laughs> we do, we really point. do, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so it was it was very fitting to have that experience great. coming yeah. up here. Um, but, I'm yeah, I'm enjoying your book, um, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about, first of all, what was kind of the inspiration behind deciding to research this particular topic? I know. Um, I mean, probably like most people that write, uh, just very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't grow up, praise God, with a smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely grew up enough around screens and uh, just I always I felt the deadening effect yeah. that they had on me. And, um, and I just, I knew something was off. And, um, and so after, you know, praise God, kind of in a powerful encounter with our Lord and, and the witness of really just living saints, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just falling in love with the Lord. I was like starting breaking away from just being in front of a screen all the time and realizing there's another world that I could enter into yeah. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to live in that world. And right. so through studies and different things, I was yeah, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to help other people break free from this this world that we've kind of just grown up with and just assumed is the norm. Right. Yeah. Do you remember when you first got, I don't know if you've ever had a smartphone, but do you remember when you first got one? No. So um, I've never had a smartphone. Really? Um, wow. <laughs> I think, I don't think I had a cell phone until I was probably a junior in high school. Okay. Yeah. That was a flip phone. Okay. And um, good old days. I know. Right. I know. <laughs> Simpler times. Yeah. And then um, and then, when I went to seminary, I ended up going over to Rome for five years. So I didn't have a cell phone at all for five years. Really? Which was so life-giving. Wow. So it was really cool being in a culture, one, where I didn't have a phone. So I just had to be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And then living in Italy, living in a culture that uh, doesn't value efficiency at all. Really? Interesting. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you've ever been to Rome, but... I've, for a few days. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. And um, so nothing works. And, <laughs> and it's just... But it's wonderful because it's very person-oriented. Huh. Yeah. Um, and I just grew to love that. They were just... They were people that knew how to rest. Mm. And it's not something we know how to do as Americans. No. But we don't know how to just be. And, we, yeah. We know how to, do. like, veg out and... Right. You know, but that's very out. different, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, so I came back from, uh, from that and I was like, I don't want a phone. I don't want a smartphone, you know? Yeah. So I just stayed with my flip phone and really? uh, yeah, <laughs> so I still don't have a smartphone. Wow. Well, 
I tried to get rid of my smartphone. <laughs> for, well, first of all, I was very late to the smartphone game. I didn't get a smartphone until I'd already graduated college. I think it was my first year teaching. And it, <laughs> it's actually a really funny story is um, I was teaching high school theology and I had a student who was just very bold and mouthy. And she saw that I had a dumb phone and she was like, Maybe if you had a better phone, you'd get a boyfriend. And I was like, whoa. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And then I got a smartphone, and I didn't get a boyfriend. And I was like, wait a second. I know, right? Yeah, weird. That, that's a, that's it, did, work. it didn't work. Uh, I, I mean, mean if, you had a, if you had a flip phone, that's almost like more likely because it's a conversation starter. <laughs> that's true. That's know? true. So, yeah, I had it for a few years. And then, I mean, I noticed all the things that you were speaking of. And so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to downgrade, mm. you know. And I lasted about nine months. Yeah. But I, I found myself frustrated because I was like, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying about, you know, things being less efficient yeah. in, in Rome. I was like, it's more difficult to send text messages yep. and I'm not good with directions. And so I did not have my GPS. And so I bought like a, you know, car GPS yes, yes, and yes, I was yes. like, these things don't work very well. You know, they're not like as dialed into the, to the current, you know, directions and whatnot and and then I also just found myself um, just filling the sort of void with other devices, whether right. it's TV or my laptop or, right. you know. And so, so, well, if I'm doing this anyways. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, well, forget this. Like, I'm just making it harder for myself but not actually accomplishing the right, goal. Right. So. No, it's a real um, – because it is harder. And, and I definitely acknowledge that. I mean mm-hmm. – and, and other people that – like my friends – uh, have to live with with me right. and, and that in that part, right? Of, yeah, of you mess like, up all the group chats. I do, because um, they'll come through, but sometimes they don't come through well, or um, I'm going to get stuck in traffic yeah. that they might not get stuck in yeah. because they have ways, you know, and I right. don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and you know that God bless them; they're they're <laughs> good. They understand like where I'm coming from, and um, yeah. So it's a real decision that I, I've made to just say no. I, I really I can't. Um, live the life that I think God wants me to live and, and still have a phone like this, just knowing myself. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, I, I like every now and then experiencing that I'm not in control. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, you talk about in the book that like, you don't see these devices as just morally neutral. Right. Very know? much. Yeah. Um, but like, obviously, as you were mentioning here, you have a, you have a cell phone, it's just mm-hmm. not a smartphone. Do you see that device as morally neutral? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this is the big thing we have to under- understand about technology in general. And when I say morally neutral, I don't mean it's like good or evil. Okay. What I mean is that it forms a character. Mm. Um, and so just like what we do forms a character, the tools we use form us in a certain way. And that's the case of any, any technology that we use, any tool that we use is going to form us in a certain way. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of like when you meet people, when you meet farmers, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the tools, like you, you shake a farmer's hand and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a guy yeah. that's been formed by the tools he's been using, you know. Right, right. Um, and so they form a character within us. My concern with the devices is that they form us uh, kind of more generally than other things because they're so intertwined with everything we do. It's not just one specific element of our lives that they touch. It's it's everything about us. Yeah. So that's that's why I kind of talk about them being not right. more neutral. Well, yeah. I mean, it's true. It's uh, you know, if a farmer, you know, I, I know some farmers. We live in a more rural area, and you know, when they when they hit the road and and you know, whatever, go on a 
pick something up, they don't feel like, oh no, I don't have my, you know, my tractor or I don't have my, <laughs> exactly, my exactly. what a rake or, you know, I don't know what a farming equipment, but <laughs> you know, they're not like my shovel. I left it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like I was saying, I have that experience with the phone. Um, well, so you, you start off in the book talking about, um, the sin of acedia. Am yes, I saying that right? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, the writings on this far predate the technological revolution. Absolutely. Um, so, there's a, there's a connection, but there, it's not sort of a, I mean, there, there's correlation causation, but it's, sure. it's broader than that. So, well, first of all, can you describe exactly <laughs> what acedia is? Yeah. So acedia, one of the seven deadly sins, um, or, or seven deadly vices, uh, you might say capital sins. So it's a, and, and often it's translated as uh, sloth or sloth. Mm-hmm. Um, the danger with that is that often we hear that word and we immediately think laziness. Mm-hmm. And as if the alternative to that is productivity, mm. uh, which is so American. It's such an American <laughs> way of thinking about virtue as like yeah. the good means you're getting something done. Mm-hmm. Um, it drives me crazy. I, I'm the spiritual director at our seminary. And okay. so, you know, a lot of times um, guys will hear, right, a good priest is a busy priest. Mm. There's a lot of like horrible people that are busy. Like being busy is not a, right, a determining a virtue, factor of like whether yeah. or not you're good. So um, anyway, so so I think laziness, not rightly understood, um, can be dangerous to translate acedia. So acedia right. is a flight, a, a sadness. It's a flight from being called into friendship with God. Hmm. So it's an inner sadness. We, we realize that we're called to friendship with God, to be with him to uh, to know him and his love, and then to to participate in that love in our own lives. And we see that we are saddened by it because uh, because it's hard, mm-hmm. um, because it's not something I can achieve on my own. Mm-hmm. So we wish we were created for a less uh, noble uh, purpose. <laughs> and so, yeah, we run away from ourselves into all sorts of other things. So that's why it's a capital sin. It gives birth to other uh, other vices. Mm. So that's that's what acedia ultimately is so when you you know mentioned sloth is that a separate sin or would you say that's one of the the sort of descendants of acedia so so sloth as laziness is one of the the offspring mm, of okay. acedia okay. so there's different offspring that saint thomas aquinas gives which he's just getting from gregory the great and the church fathers and the desert okay. fathers okay. um despair being the first that, really yeah so there's a real connection between acedia and despair, um, right? We see the good, but we don't think we can achieve it. Yeah. And so we're just, ugh. Um, and so the person that's lazy is often also despairing, mm-hmm. right? Um, that he doesn't think he can achieve personal fulfillment in God. Yeah. Um, it's too hard. Um, so despair, um, anger uh, against what reminds us of our true uh, worth. So we, we get angry by um by sunday rest right we're like oh i know i need to i need to get to the next thing i need to keep working um so we get angry about that and then ultimately all sorts of forms of um oh so laziness is one of them and all sorts of forms of distractions okay yeah yeah i think one, one of the things i was thinking about as i was reading that is um the character of cain in, in the book hmm. of genesis and this sense that like he makes an offering to god and for whatever reason, we're not really told it's not good enough. Mm. And he <laughs> is totally crushed by it. Um, and then that leads to then like 
the anger. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you can kind of read a CD into that because God tells him like, Hey, like if you do well, you'll be accepted. Like keep, keep striving, like keep pursuing. And he's like, obviously, you know, he doesn't verbally respond to God, mm-hmm. but we see by his actions that he's like, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's 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 a difficult experience, I think, for anybody who you know. Of course, we always like, Cain is the villain of the story, but to 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 try and then to fail, mm. that's crushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and which is why, um, yeah, we have to be careful not to to look at it in a Pelagian light, where basically, okay, so. I, in order to overcome a CD, it means that I need to do like work harder. I need to try harder and to do more to achieve the good, right? Um, because really, in uh, a lot of my study, I looked at uh, this thinker, Joseph Pieper, mm-hmm. who like introduced uh, Carol Wojtyla to Joseph Ratzinger. So, you know, that really? worked out well for the church. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but one of the things he talks about is that our our generation is prone to a CDA more because of an inability to receive anything as a gift Hmm. Um, that we are so fixated in the modern world on Mm self-perfection on um, attaining mastery over ourselves that we we're not able to receive our life at all as a gift and so then to live in accord with that gift and to make a gift of self Um, rather we're just trying to do 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 and and to make something of ourselves yeah uh, rather than to make a gift of ourselves yeah so that so I just I say that because when we look at like yeah you know, what we're called to we look at God or oh my gosh I want to participate in that yeah it would give birth to despair when we find ourselves screwing up again and again and again mm-hmm. <laughs> except that we do that precisely by receiving the life of God into ourselves mm-hmm. so we the the first thing has to be a contemplative posture receiving God's goodness um, a church father said that our ability to love God depends entirely on our ability to be aware of his love for us. Wow. Yeah. And if we're not aware of that, you know, we, yeah, what do we have to, to give? Right. Well, yeah, because I think a lot of people experience unworthiness of God's love, not not even in sort of this, like, faux piety where you're, like, beating your breast, but, like, right. they, they're like, well, I see all of my flaws. I don't love myself, yeah. you know, and... Um, I, I think you see it in, in two extremes, like, and and I don't know if this is, this is my own perception, but I kind of see women tending towards the hyper perfectionism. And I see men tending towards the sort of the opposite where they just withdraw. And, and, you know, I was a teacher Mm. for like eight years and I saw this a lot where a lot of the girls were super motivated, driven, everything mattered, you know, but they would stress themselves out. They'd have so much anxiety. And then the boys would just be like. I don't care, whatever, you know, (laughs) it is, you know, just sort of dejection. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, (laughs) it's pretty prevalent. And I mean, it's one of the concerns. um, So yeah, again, with kind of with acedia, um, which is this just sadness, right? And it can manifest in so many different ways. Uh, One of the things that I look at in the book is, I mean, our devices, they, they keep us fixated on ourselves mm-hmm. and, and kind of in our own minds. And so it becomes very difficult to see myself through another's eyes. Hmm. I only see myself through my own imperfections and through my own shame and whatever that is, rather than how does the father see me? Yeah. <laughs> and 
and it just becomes very difficult to do that. Um, I just, well, how do other people see me? How do I see me? And it can be kind of deadening. Right. Yeah. Well, well, just going back to the example of Cain for a moment, though, mm. doesn't it seem like God was displeased with him and didn't see him? You know, he kind of <laughs> pointed out his imperfection sure, or his lack. Sure, I know, know I know. <laughs> no, it's a great point. Um, and I honestly, I'd have to, I'll have to kind of think about that one. I, yeah. I've, um, because obviously, yeah, this isn't uh, that God doesn't point out places in our life that we need to grow but we we've experienced like everybody knows what it's like to be convicted of sin by god Mm -hmm. there's this awakening of life within us where it's oh i don't want to do that anymore right the woman caught in adultery when jesus says go and sin no more it must have been an experience of life where she realized her worth and her capacity to not do this right um that's not (laughs) uh often what we hear in so so i imagine for cain uh right hearing that from the lord there must have been this awareness of of who he truly is and this energy to live in accord with that and something in him made him reject that you know this pride uh of no i want to i want to determine what is uh, worthy of acceptance by you god i won't let you determine that i'm going to be the one that determines it yeah um yeah so how did you uh, go about like researching um, this topic? Sure. Um, so twofold. I mean, obviously there's kind of, it's a meeting of worlds, right? On the one hand, there's the technological world. And on the other hand, there's just the theological world and the, the tradition, the spiritual tradition of the church. So uh, my kind of primary source uh, was, or my primary author that I was looking at was Joseph Pieper. Okay. Um, I, he's the one I wrote my dissertation on. Oh, really? Uh, he's the one that kind of awakened me to the, this, like all pervasive presence of acedia in our culture. Um, He talks about it. He says that we are nauseated and bored by the void of an interior life, (laughs) led by despair. And uh, (laughs) it's true. Yeah, no. So that was one of those like reading that I was just very convicted (laughs) in a good way. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's my soul. Um, When was he writing that? So he wrote that in, I think it was uh, 39, 1939. He wrote that. Yeah. So Which he, is, what was he looking at? You know, because the technology was just, I mean, the film industry was just. So know, this is, the, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? This is the, the modern era. He's just looking at modernism and where it was headed. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, th- I think with our devices, we're just seeing the full flourishing of what modernism has presented to us. Mm-hmm. Um, this illusion that we are in control of the world, at least the material world. And, which is really the only world that matters uh, for the right. you know, modernity. And um, and it's it's this kind of figuring everything out in our heads and uh, implanting what we figured out on our head onto reality rather than becoming attuned to reality. Mm-hmm. Like that's how the pre-moderns kind of approach things. So just we want to conform ourselves to reality and ourselves being more than just our mind, but our whole person, uh, everything in us to be attuned to what is. And to live in accord with that. And so he's aware of this movement and what it's doing to the soul uh, in the in the 30s as he's growing up. And especially Immanuel Kant. And I'm not going to get into him. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So trying to impose uh, our ideas onto reality. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, I think you see the full flourishing of that now when, when 
people's identities can be totally constructed, right. you know. Um, but it but it is tricky because I, I do feel like we, like, you know, you know, Aristotle and some of the ancients talk about how we gain knowledge like through the senses, which is through our bodies, and so there's always like a personal kind of filtering mm. of of reality, you know. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it feels almost impossible to be completely objective, you know? Sure. And, and I guess that's what I would argue is just that, uh, what do we mean by objective? Hmm. You know, as if our minds are not somehow already supposed to be, to, to know what is and that the thing itself and presenting itself to us is intrinsically knowable, yeah. you know, there there's, it's already supposed to be known by a mind that's capable of knowing it. Um, and so there's something about the way that our bodies are created and our minds are created that has made us capable of knowing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We, we always assume that we're primary and there's not something preceding us, you know. Exactly. And so this is, and this is the, the, the genius and really the danger of Kant is basically saying, no, no, no. And he's just getting it from Descartes, but just, we want to know things as they are in themselves apart from any mind uh, that, yeah. that might, you know, that might know it or, um, yeah. So anyways, so, so Peeper, so you <laughs> had to go back to yeah, yeah. your question of just like, so Peeper was kind of my source for, for just the theology and the philosophy around it all, okay. around the acedia and, and just the spiritual dimension of this. And then I used, uh, just a lot of kind of secular sources for, um, social sciences, you know, of just, um, philosophy philosophers that look at technology um albert borgman is a big one uh has some great works um kind of more popular authors nicholas carr uh, has written a lot about our devices um so yeah there's a lot of of things out there that i kind of dove into and yeah and researched yeah so i assume like a lot of the spiritual writers you know joseph Pieper and those earlier than him are pretty much focusing on how it affects our, our souls i would imagine a lot of the sociologists and psychologists they're maybe not using the language of soul mm -hmm. um but what kind of insights are they bringing into how these devices affect us like just as person right yeah so obviously yeah the, the world of psychology is is helping a lot which is you know a lot of terminology of anxiety depression different things and there's some some parallels to the spiritual world there right i mean obviously we're body soul composite as humans and so anything that we talk about that is a spiritual reality is also going to have non-spiritual um, manifestations and experiences. And so, you know, when we talk about depression, it's like, okay, there, there's probably depression and as well as spiritual malady that's taking place. Um, so psychology is definitely uh, writing a lot about this, um, the increase in anxiety. I find neuroscience fascinating in yeah, this, just yeah. how it's changing our brains. Right, um, right. And how how our brains process information mm -hmm. uh, is just it's so cool. So there's a lot in that, um, yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, I've heard people describe, particularly like cell phones and then the use of social media as as almost like a, a slot machine where it's like you put you 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 see the notification on your phone or or, or on your you know, account and you, you don't know what it is yet. So it's like, could be good, could right. be bad. You kind of get that like excitement, right. you know, and then you check it and you're kind of like, eh, you know, <laughs> no, it's pretty, um, your oh boy, it's so messed up. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple of books, uh, one addiction by design, mm -hmm. um, who she, the, the author looked at, um, 
the slot machines in Vegas and how they're yeah. intentionally addictive. Yeah. And then this other author used a lot of her work. Um, Adam Alter used a lot of her work to look at how uh, websites do the same thing and right. our phones do the same thing to keep us hooked. Mm -hmm. And uh, so one book, Irresistible, The Rise of Addictive Technologies, uh, I would highly recommend it for anybody. Um, yeah, so so it's kind of disturbing. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of uh, addictive qualities to these things. Uh, and it's it's hard because... We assume like we beat ourselves up for falling back into this stuff, yeah. but it's not in, like it's not our fault all the time. Yeah. I mean, they're, like they're using our psychology against us. They're yeah, being the programmers sure. are using our psychology to keep us hooked. Um, and so we have to be really so. So the, the those sciences can be really helpful to just make us aware of what's going on and what kind of uh, barriers and boundaries you have to put up in order to keep ourselves from just getting sucked into this world that is ultimately keeping us away from being able to see God yeah. <laughs> to really live in, in the light of his love and goodness. Right. Yeah. I think of, um, you know, there's that famous, I think it's called like the thinking man statue, you know, mm -hmm, talking mm -hmm. about, and he's kind of hunched over yes. and he's like pondering. And I just feel like the modern one is like, he's just hunched over with his phone yeah, in exactly, his lap. Very like, much. You know, cause I, I mean, again, I noticed that about my, myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sleep deprived. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very much. So, so you, you said that you're a spiritual director at uh, the seminary, am, right? Yes. So do you weave this into <laughs> your conversations with the guys? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and even before we weave it into the conversations, we weave it into the the fabric of our lives. Hmm. So there's some device-free areas in the seminary. Oh, really? So uh, we don't allow devices in the, in the chapel, for okay. example. Okay. Um, just, I mean, there's studies have been done that um, the closer your device is to you, the the more if you will superficial uh, the conversation is yeah. going to be just because you can always be take taken out of it you can be taken mm -hmm. out of the conversation so yeah. if you want to have kind of a, a superficial conversation at a dinner table just put your phone on the table huh um, yeah it'll keep things light because nobody's going to go into that much depth when you yeah. can just be distracted so quickly so I've taken to like you know I came in uh, to the studio here and uh, I, I leave my phone in the car. Okay. Uh, whenever yeah. I, or if I go to someone's house for dinner, I just leave the phone in the car. Wow. So we have our chapel, our um, refectory, our cafeteria. Uh, we don't have devices there. Um, at 1030 at night, the guys can't have devices in their room. Really? You know, so things like this. Where do they put them? We have like shelves outside. Right, uh, like in the little halls. cubbies. <laughs> yeah, we, we try to make it a little more, um, <laughs> you know, not Masculine. quite cubbies. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, so there's tables, okay. uh, basically, that are set aside for, for them to put there. Do so they have like a, is there a big bell that wakes everyone up at the same time? Or No, we don't have that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not um, like a monastery. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Every now and then the fire alarm, but that's a little different. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I thought that was just in college campuses. Yeah, it's no, the seminary no. too. Yeah, every now and then, yeah. It's probably not drunk people pulling the trigger. No, it's right. not that. Thank okay. God. No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then obviously with conversations, I mean, the guys, yeah. you know, they know I wrote a book, so they, right. they're constantly kind of asking questions about it. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I like that about just more having phone free spaces because mm. when it is in front of you, it is it is hard not to, to check. And like you said, it kind of affects your consciousness and your perception of the situation. And yeah. so that's almost more manageable in, in a way, like instead of having to control your impulses 
you you almost don't have to worry about it, I guess. Right. And we don't, the thing we don't realize is the amount of energy it takes to, like if you're in a restaurant and there's, you know, TVs all around, mm -hmm. the amount of energy it takes to focus on the person in front of you that's talking, yeah. that's, that's tiring. I mean, we're yeah. like, we're burning calories. We're like, mm. there, there's a lot of mental, like physical energy taking place there. And we've only got so much of that right. per, per day. Right. So to have spaces where we don't need to worry about that, it's really helpful so that when we are in that situation, we have those kind of energy reserves right? so that we can resist the temptation to, to Yeah, I never distracted. thought about that. Yeah, that there's actually a physical toll on our, our, our energy. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you find that this is something I, you have to be sort of careful what you say here, but do you find that this is something people actually bring up in confession? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess most people don't say acedia, but right, right, right. <laughs> um, no, but this is, everybody's struggling with this, right? Mm -hmm. This is not um, uncommon. Uh, and everybody knows like they feel bad uh, that, especially if, if a priest talks about it in a homily or something, I uh, say, so, oh my gosh, yeah, I, like, Father, I was spending time with my family and I was more on my phone than I was with them. Like, mm -hmm. I thought, I'm sorry, you yeah. know, that I didn't realize what that was doing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it needs to be brought to light, but there's, people know, mm -hmm. there's an intuitive awareness that something's off. So what I find is the kind of the challenging confession is awakening people to hope that there's another way to live. Because these things are so just omnipresent right. to make to help people become aware, like you don't need to live this way. Yeah, um, that's tough. Yeah, you know, and, and to to live this way, meaning um, to live in the light of these phones, we can still have them, but to rather to live in the light of the Father's love, like that's the key is how to to stay in that place. Yeah, uh, constantly receiving His gaze. That's that's a <laughs> more of a yeah. difficult challenge. Are you familiar with the Hallow app? I'm familiar with it. Okay. I mean, that's, I, that's all I can say about okay, it. Meaning okay. I've heard about it. You just heard about it. Okay. Because I, I mean, I'd just be curious because you were talking about like, you know, you're, the chapel's a phone-free zone, which makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, but the way the app works is that, I mean, there's a couple of different things you can have on it, but like there can be audio that's like reciting the rosary or the Divine Mercy sure. Chapel. You pray along with it. There's meditations that you can listen to. There's people you know, reading the Bible that you can right, listen to. And, right, and there's right. all these, and they actually do a nice job with it. Like you can, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe you completely disagree with it, but you can, you can set it so that like how slow it's going to go. You can mm. give it sort of like an ambient tone in the back mm -hmm. or like chant in the back. Sure. And there's surprisingly, they, they it, it doesn't feel, um, I don't know what the word, like robotic almost in yeah. the way you'd, you'd imagine. But um, I don't know. What, what are your, th <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on just the way that like the church has tried to tap into technology or utilize it? I mean, we've got, you know, of course there's father Mike Schmitz is right. like, he's you doing know, great work, right? He, and, he and is, Bishop Barron, yeah. He's doing amazing things. Yeah. And the hollow app from all I've heard is like really good. So, um, no, I mean, this is where people are. So we have to meet them there. Right. Yeah. Um, the big thing that, that I would, I always want to hold up to people is just that, Conversion happens in a, a personal encounter. Hmm. Um, it's awakening to faith where we are attached to a person, and that happens through through the body. Hmm. Uh, the danger with these things is that we can 
put our hope in um, in spiritual practices or mm. like making sure I'm getting the right information or, uh, you know, having my right whatever versus I'm attached to a person mm. and that is where my hope is. Yeah. And it, so it, it's, it's challenging because we want to use these things to help the the message get out there and there's so much good. And so I'm, I'm fully supportive of, you know, okay, so yeah. many of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal has to be in some ways to get people off of not like forever, obviously, sure. but um, for an app to work so that people after they've, they've done that time of prayer or they've, whatever it is that they're doing, they say, wow, I want to enter back into reality. Yeah, um, yeah. That's you know that's what we want for from the right. from the goal of these things to be. Um, I will say also I think we have to be really careful with uh, using these to promote lit- the the liturgy. Hmm. Um, one of the dangers of these things is that there's no room for the sacred. So the sacred is is a, some uh, is a time or a place that's set apart mm-hmm. um, for worship. Uh, to encounter God in a particular way. And these devices are intentionally designed to not have anything set apart. Yeah. You know, where it's, they're, they're for everything. That's which, so true. Which yeah. is good, yeah. but also not, you know. Um, so when, if I'm praying my, my Liturgy of the Hours on the same device that I buy stuff, mm. uh, you know, there's this merging of the, the sacred and the profane in a way that's not helpful. Yeah. Um, or like when I'm celebrating mass, if there's a camera in front of in front of me, oh, yeah. I find it really, frankly, disturbing huh. because this is the most intimate encounter I am having with God, this side of heaven. That is not for just anyone to see. Hmm. Wow. I never thought about that. But yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, the, the liturgy of the Eucharist used to be, I mean, even the catechumens couldn't right. attend. So it hit me when I was during COVID, right? Yeah. And everybody is like, you know, doing it like right. We're all live streaming the so mass. So I was, I was doing dishes one day, and somebody comes up. Oh, look! You know, Father So and So is celebrating mass as I'm doing dishes, and he's there at the altar, and he just shows me on his phone. I got, oh. I, I felt like sick. Wow! Because like, I don't want to see that right now. Huh? And, but he's not doing anything wrong. He's just right. using the device as the device is intended to be used. Right. Right. My concern is I don't know that. Uh, the liturgy can be can be put on these things yeah. uh, in a way that's good. It's interesting. Okay. So again, yeah. I'm not I'm not like casting aspersions against sure, people that have done sure. this. It's just something that we want to think about. Well, even more is um, there's actually YouTube channels that are perpetual live streams of adoration. Right. Have you seen those? And I don't know. I I don't know what to make of it because my my dad says that it's really helped him focus in prayer when he puts it on sure, the TV sure. and and then prays. It's I, it's it's interesting because, like, yeah, we're having a conversation face to face. A lot of the podcasts I do are are over Zoom. It's it's not the same. It's not as good, but it's a little more mm-hmm. than if we were talking on the phone. You know, right, there's right. there is a connection for sure. Um, but it's hard. I mean, the sacramental economy is essentially bodily. Yeah, you know, I mean, the way that Jesus right. set it up. I I, I always think about. Um, in the, the Acts of the Apostles, when, you know, Peter says, like, that Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared only to those who had been chosen beforehand, by those, who, by, by those of us who ate and drank with him. 
mm. um, you know, while he was alive, right, at yeah. the meal. And it's like, um, so there's this sense that Jesus rose from the dead, and you think, well, okay, now he can go anywhere. He can be any, present anywhere. Right. And yet for some reason, he still chose to remain in the intimate confines of, of Galilee at that time. And for them then to go out to the, the corners of the world. But there, there's something about uh, the way God set it up to not just be about broadcasting and getting out to as many people as possible. Yeah. There's almost something about the limited nature of the body uh, that's kind of essential to our encounter with God. Right. So we just don't want to lose that. Yeah. So I find it odd. Um, I know, like you said, some people really love... Um, kind of adoration uh, on live stream, especially people that can't get to adoration because right. they're sick or whatever. And they're just like, Oh, it's, you know, it's the closest I can get. Sure. Um, which is, which I get, you know? Um, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's a challenge that we're kind of all these questions yeah. that we're looking at right now. That, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, like you said, like we are, we encounter everything through the body and you know, yeah, when it's, when it's on a screen, it, it is visual. So there is one scent bodily sense there, but it's not, you know, you don't have the touch, you don't have the, I mean, not that you're really encountering like smell, like in that, well, maybe with the, you know, incense sure, and all that, sure. but, but whatever that embodied experience is, it is, it is a, it's a fragmented And experience. just time and place. Yeah. Like I could be looking at that in my PJs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's different. Than like right. If I'm in the presence of the blessed sacrament, yeah. I'm not going to be in my PJs, but probably like, <laughs> Um, unless he's sleeping, I was going to say, unless you're like, yeah, unless you're, or it's like, whatever, you're getting up your 3am, you know, shift for all night adoration, you know, during a retreat. But, um, so we, we know intuitively there's something different. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, these are, (laughs) wow, that's deep. Um, okay. Well, we're, we're almost out of time here. So maybe, you know, you shared that in the seminary, they had some of these phone free zones, um, are there any other, I, I don't want to boil it down to tips, you know, because sure. like you said, it's not just this Pelagian, like, what can we do? To, yeah. Which is almost the problem is that we're, we're yeah. thinking that we can do something because, because I, I mean, like for my own life, like I've set time limits on certain apps, sure. but then I just ignore them right, right, or, right. you know, and it's so I'm like, something's not working. Right. Um, but maybe some, I don't know, words of encouragement yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. So I would say two things. One is the first question is, uh, you know, when, when we're looking at our use of these things is not, okay, what do I have to do to become free? It's where is God meeting me in my current state? So what am I experiencing? Um, why am I on my device right now? Am I sad? Am I anxious? Yeah, am I, you know, just to, yeah. Or am I just like going, this is just my habit. This is just what I do. Right. Um, right. Most people, when they have nothing else to do, the first thing they'll do is reach for their phone mm-hmm. um, just to kind of kill time. Mm-hmm. I mean, even that expression, right? Kill time. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> how are we looking at time there? You know, rather than a movement towards something, it's just sort of ugh, filled with emptiness. Yeah. How is God coming to us in our emptiness? That's the first question we want to ask is, is and, and maybe we don't know, but just to invite him there, Lord, come to me in this place of emptiness um, because I don't know how to get to you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I love that you said that because I think sometimes we think that our pain or emptiness is like in itself a barrier to God right. or that we're not, and I don't know if this is American or modern or what, but that we're not actually supposed to experience negative emotions. Right. It's bad if you 
don't feel happy. Right. <laughs> and so we think God is at the other side of this experience of emptiness. Right. Rather than, no, right. no, 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 no. God is right here in this experience of emptiness. Yeah. You don't need to go anywhere. Which, I, yeah, I think it's so important because we talk about God as like, you know, beatific vision, eternal happiness. Right. And it's true, but God chose to enter into suffering and weakness. Exactly. And my, my, one of my favorite verses, I don't remember what psalm it is, but it says like from the dung heap, he lifts up the poor. Yeah, and it's like, beautiful. Yeah, he came all the way down that's to it. the dung heap, you know. Yeah. You're going to meet God there. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So just to have that kind of hope, right, of, of just seeing God with us in this um, takes a lot of pressure off of us. It does. You feel, I, I mean, I almost feel a more at peace hearing that versus if you were like, well, here's the 10 steps to conquer right, this vice. Right. You know? It's just, no, no, no. God is, because, and, and really, this is how acedia is overcome because the refrain of acedia is, it is not good. Um, right. So it looks at creation and it says it is not good. Wow. And so acedia whispers in our ears in our current situation of emptiness. It's not good. Your life isn't good. You got to get somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You got to fix yourself. You got morally or spiritually or whatever. You got to, you got to get over this. Um, but then when you experience, wait a minute, I'm loved right here. We're able to say it is good. Mm -hmm. And then we enter into the rest the Sabbath rest, yeah. which is the opposite of acedia. Yeah. And we're able to rejoice and find joy in who we are. And so the, yeah, that's actually the, um, the antidote is this finding God yeah. in this place, um, entering into the rest that he gives us. Um, and then uh, from that encounter, then what we want to do is, okay, Lord, how do you want to continue to remain with me as I go throughout my day? And then that's going to help determine um, what kind of restrictions or what boundaries I place on my phone, on my devices, different things, uh, so that I can stay with the Lord where he is and just be attuned to, to his goodness living in me all the time. Um, but without that first kind of initial experience and awareness of God's love for me, uh, we're just grasping. We're just trying yeah. to get ourselves out of a situation, mm -hmm. and, and it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. Because I think the, the approach that a lot of us try is, is sort of like a legalism in a way, mm. um, which isn't fulfilling. Cause like, like, you know, our longing is to be connected to God and others and the, the, the rules, they might set up these perimeters, but they don't right. lead to like deeper union, right. you know? So I, I think that I love that. I think that's perfect that you, you start with the union and then maybe you, put some barriers up along the way as you go from there, but it's not, I think we do it in the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we try to, yeah, we, we try to be the ones that initiate the union. With yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, he already right, did that. Right. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, part, part of like what attracts us about the phone or, or the social media is like kind of the excitement of like, there's something unexpected, like mm. what's, what's, what's on the other side. But I think God can provide those surprises oh or gosh. those, you know, yeah, we could go on forever about that. But but like, yeah, you don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you. Right. And so you can be kind of excited about that. And, and it can lead you to something a little more fulfilling than like, mm. oh, like somebody liked my status. I know, I know, know, right? <laughs> right, like, or, or the worst, this is, this is like, if, if I go off social media for a couple of days, I'll come back and I'll have all these notifications. 
but they'll start adding in like fake notifications like, oh, somebody posted this update. Yep. So it doesn't even have anything to do with me. And it's just like, Ugh. yep, that's it. <laughs> Anyways, right, we, we ended <laughs> on a beautiful right, note right. and then I added something gross. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But awesome. yeah, but thank you so much for, for coming down and joining me in person. No, this it's a great, great joy. I know. I was like, I can't like, talk about this over Zoom. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, I think like, like you were saying, like there can be life-giving encounters mediated through digital, of course. you know, but it's, it, I don't know. It, it, it there's, there's more that goes into mm. it. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, thank you so much, Father. Great joy. Thank and you. The, and the book is uh, Rekindling Wonder, Touching Heaven in a Screen-Saturated World. I ordered it on Amazon. I'm sure that means it's available widely, mm -hmm. but uh, definitely check it out. Yep, definitely. All right. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much.